0: So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ram Dass wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ram Dass's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy.
1: The reason that i like liked what we did and that I'm, I feel lucky we've done it is because People get to catch a glimpse into what a spiritual community means.
2: All right. Movie of me. Scene one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, we're, ju- we're just going to talk about why the hell did we do this thing? And then and then earlier in our conversation, you told me about this incredible dream that you had of Neem Karoli Baba, which was I extraordinary, did. which you'll share some other time on your podcast or something. But just that reality, it just made me look, okay, why did we do this? And then I saw in, you know, we have this wonderful uh, e-book, that is easy to reference. What the hell were we talking about, and why we did these things? And you said in the very beginning, as a former hardcore cynic, yeah. it's part of my game. When I first met me, he's talking about Ragu. I started reading Ramdas's writing. A big part of me thought this is cute, but it's probably bullshit. Yes, <laughs> not just Ramdas, but all this Eastern philosophy stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, it's probably a grift. <laughs> Bad news, yeah. not
1: a grift.
2: Yeah. And then you went on, but then all fast forward, this is what, how many years, might, might be a dozen, 13 years later, something from when we first met. And here we are with this incredible dream. <laughs> you can no longer be a hardcore cynic. But what it prompted me to think about you, the hardcore sinner. Okay. The movie Center. of me. We all got something. We got a movie of me. That was your movie. My movie was the BS around. Well, I don't need to be in the world because I've been a sadhu in India for thousands of lifetimes. This is. Oh yeah. You know, uh, projecting that kind of ridiculous uh, thinking and. Well, uh,
1: okay, wait. Let's address that real quick because I think okay. that's legitimate. Fantasy of many people. I certainly had it once. It's the it's the cave fantasy. So, the cave fantasy is you go into a cave, sit in front of a fire, whatever. I the for most people their cave fantasy doesn't go past the first night in the cave. So the idea is you evade householder life, Western madness go to some forest, find your cave, sit down, and that's where the fantasy ends. Because you don't know what the fuck you're going to do day four when you're sitting in that fucking cave. <laughs> All the momentum of your life rushing you into some, you got to do something. Well, maybe a sand mandala. And then the sand mandala, it's not good enough probably. So you're going to try again tomorrow. And then it's like you guys are rushing through it. My point is we hear of the We hear of Siddhartha Gautama's encounter with the ascetics in the forest. He doesn't eat, could put his finger around his spine. God only knows what other shit he did. Staring into fire. He did do that. He said he did do that. Staring into the sun. The whole gamut of self-flagellation is the method to awaken to one's true Mm -hmm. nature, knowing I'm not the body. The body's temporary transient, pre sludge sentient material on the way out, flushing into the toilet of time. And I would like to see what would have happened had the Buddha clambered over the palace wall or whatever he did and, like, wandered into New York, (laughs) right, and and had to drive a taxi. Right? He'd be yeah. dying to stare at the sun. So I think in the West, people um, fantasize that they are not in the cave. They're not doing the penance. They're not staring at the sun, laying on the spikes. They're, they're, they're not starving themselves. So, oh, you might be eating till your, your belly is full, but you're starved in a completely more sinister way. You're emaciated. Your body might look okay, but you're fucking emaciated. You're withered. You could definitely put your fingers around your spine, but you can't because you think you're your body. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I think you are in the, you are continuing to do your various penances. (laughs) It's just in the West, we don't even get to say we're doing a penance. You stick your arm up in India, it withers, you can't put it down, everyone's gonna throw rupees at you all day long. Yeah. You have stomach ulcers here, people are like, well, give it takes some
2: Metamucil. What do you want me <laughs> to do yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: you know what I'm saying?
2: But, yeah, it's great though, this is great actually. We are emaciated. We eat beyond what we can actually take in. We enjoy beyond enjoyment. We despair beyond despair over life's events. And that's because we are emaciated, which is why we did this book. Because I think both of us felt emaciated spiritually, emaciated awareness-wise. We were, as you were, you were that abject cynic. And I had this, I was into a fantasy that wasn't real. And we looked at each other and went, wait, what happened? How did we get here? What is this? Yeah. And and we thought, okay, let's do something around Krishnadas' great um, uh, phrase, the movie of me. You wake up in the morning and you're the protagonist, the writer, the producer, you're even writing your own reviews, which suck. And here we are. And we used ourselves as fodder for people to recognize in themselves how they, how we are all trapped by this story that we present.
1: There you go. You know, I was just writing about this today. Writing? I was writing something. So when I was a kid... Go visit. We go. I'd go visit my dad in the summers. Me and my brother, complete dude fest, dude apartment, dude. Yeah. Just dude. And so we would play Monopoly from time to time. And I don't know if you. When the last time you played Monopoly was?
2: Oh, well, I played it all the time. I okay, I'm so totally a Monopoly it. person.
1: So <laughs> the way we would play Monopoly was. I don't think we'd even heard of the term role playing back then, but. It's role-playing. So you play Monopoly and you go from being I'm your son to I am some kind of corrupt landlord. I'm gonna destroy your life. And so the game would start with a kind of joyful cruelty to each other. You know what I mean? And but by the end of the game, it was real cruelty. We were mad at each other. We would fight. It was vicious. It was horrible, mean. It's like we forgot we're playing a game. This is a meaningless. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. Like, why are you mad at my, my dad would lose and be mad? My, and and <laughs> we would we would have to the the final like slap in the face is if you win, Monopoly. We had a, a dollar bill called the dollar of shame. And whoever won could write anything on it, such as like, I am the your favorite son, or mm. I am the most intelligent trussle that ever lived. And every one had to sign underneath it. No. And that dollar, the dollar of shame, it just was covered in these cruel contracts. So this, to me, is what happens here, is that people start off as these amazing, malleable, like I'll have a puppet, and I'll start talking to one of the kids. They don't hesitate. I'm Duncan dad, not there, puppet. Now they're in a full-on conversation with the puppet. If I start talking, they're like, let the puppet talk. You know, they, <laughs> but then when, when you pull what, the puppet off great. the hand, they're not weeping. Mm. They're not like, what happened to the puppet? Did the puppet die? Is it gone? They know, no, that was just a game. We were playing a game and it's on to the next game. Mm. And you know, the emotional breakdowns, meltdowns that would put an adult for sure in a mental hospital. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for sure. Yeah. You would need to go to rehab. Mental breakdowns followed by joy, followed by boredom. Fo- no, no attachment to any of it. Just a flowing, pure river of of experience. And then, you know what I mean. You start. It's like playing Monopoly, and suddenly
0: you forget
1: you're a person. You think you're some silver dog. You know, going around a board. Some start. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the move. That's the movie of me. It's where you forget that, hey, this thing started off as a game, a Leela, and you forgot that. And now you're taking it way too seriously. You're trying to win bullshit money, bullshit accolades, vengeance, trying to get people to sign a dollar. And it means everything to you. And that is hell. That's pure suffering. That's yeah. how you suffer. That's that's yeah. how I like well, you. That's, know what I
2: mean? what we, that's what we that's were doing. We were talking that's the book. That's the movie of me. That's what we were talking about, using ourselves as an example of, of this creation of an entity that, as you say, is absolutely caught in the seriousness of the moment, seriousness oh of the thought, seriousness of the story. So that is how this book came about. And then I think we started thinking about kind of, you know, really um, interesting ideas about identifying that. So having that self-awareness, mindfulness, witness, whatever yeah. you want to call it, it's, we identified various things. One of them was this great thing that you came up with, um, uh, uh, pyromania, right? Yes. And um, i just, I just quote you a little bit. Um so yeah, in our in our world, the the humanitarian ethic, okay, has within it the concept of inclusivity embrace of all people. Within that we find freedom of speech, freedom of religion. We must figure out how we practice nonviolence, compassion, and multiculturalism in a hyper connected world that includes factions of organized pyromaniacs. <laughs> Very good. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well you know the thing is you know man like again the answer, you've told me something about neem girlie baba i think about it all the time i think the way you put it was technological like he was a computer It's always the perfect thing was coming out of him and i and i think of like chogyam tsempa rinpoche talking about the buddha how like once the buddha woke up Everything that came out of him was the Dharma. Everything he said was the Dharma. Everything, because that's all he was. Like, there was nothing that's going to come out of him that, that, that isn't harmonized with the great web of life. And so I think when I was saying that stuff, I don't think I'd really grasped something that I can barely grasp now. Which is, because it sounds like spiritual bypass, as we call it. You really don't need to worry about the pyromaniacs around you. To quote Jack, you know, in the world, the distant pyromaniacs, as Jack Hornfield says, tend to the pyromaniac you can touch, tend to the part of the pyromaniac, you, he says mm-hmm. tend to the part of the garden you can touch. But, you know, usually we're the ones throwing the Molotov cocktails you know that that that's usually like yeah sure there's pyromaniacs and yeah sure let's figure out a way to be compassionate to people who like to set things on fire to gain sexual gratification you go work on that if you want to but first look at your own Mm -hmm. this is what ramdas taught us
2: yep yep leaned
1: into that over and over again yes we have to deal with all kinds of things in the world there are terrifying beasts out there but man thank god we the one we have to we run we run into the most is the one
2: in the mirror sitting right in the mirror yeah no yeah. absolutely absolutely and then but the truth is what his holiness the dalai lama said i never met anyone anyone i never met anyone that i consider a stranger think of that concept that's yeah. core to the movie of me to the movie of we that and concept this-
1: this see, and I think, you know, we do, because it's more fun to emphasize the pyromaniacs, the shoe, the dollar of shame, trapped in a Monopoly board in some hellish Twilight Zone episode. All that stuff is fun. It's, you can make it very severe and sinister. And it's, I can't remember who said this. Maybe it was cornfield. I don't know. One of the Buddhist teachers was saying everybody wants to talk about the first two noble truths. No one wants to talk about Everyone in the West, everywhere, we're so good at talking about suffering. Mm -hmm. But the cessation of suffering, the promise of Buddhism, the promise of all of these paths, people get a little quiet when it comes to that part because that part, that's a little more difficult to talk about. I think when the Dalai Lama is saying, I don't think anybody's a stranger, he doesn't mean it in a sentimental way. He means that there is this thing that is, and I think it's called Aliyah in Buddhism, the ground.
2: Yeah. Fundamental ground of goodness.
1: Yes. yes. And that once in, in, this is an experiential, this is a place you, you, you can, you are experiencing right now, believe it or not. And once you start experiencing that, then yeah. How can someone be a stranger? Because yeah. once you know that place, you know, someone's deepest core, you know, what's underneath all of it. Whoever it may be, you know the thing that's underneath all, and sometimes yeah. that's quite tragic when yeah. you run to a person who's lost in hell, because they, they that, that's compassion that's where compassion starts appearing, generally, though, for for yourself first, yeah. you know because because that's once you meet that place and you realize that that that's you too then you can get, you know, now you can start being real compassionate to yourself, not bullshit compassionate.
2: Yeah, yeah so. exactly. But I love the pyromania. Uh, I love it because every one of us absolutely can recognize that pyromaniac. And it's like, yes, no, let's not have to, you know, spend our time thinking about all the other pyromaniacs that are in the news or nearby us or at a workplace or whatever it is. And that's the key is to recognize ourselves. And how do you do that? Which is very prominent in the movie of me to the movie of wee book is honesty. And where yeah. do we, you know, and we got that from our teachers I mean that was a you know Neem Karoli Baba love everyone and tell the truth, which me saying that right now means absolute diddle, you know because mm-hmm. I am not living it. When someone who is absolutely in it and you know it's it's not there's no separation whatsoever, then you're bowled over by it. But one person that did live it in a way that I didn't, I've never seen you know quote unquote regular people live it was Ramdas. Yeah. and his his honesty about his you know motivations and self-interest and selfishness and so on when i first heard it i was like oh god thank god i'm not the only one that's a living jerk <laughs> basically <laughs> okay and yeah. so you know here we are it's okay it's as jack cornfield always says it's okay we're human you know it's okay and uh yeah. so that f- that once that is seen once the pyromaniac is seen inside of ourselves and then we get connected as we hope to do in this book with various ways in which to uh transform that pyromaniac and it has to start with uh honesty you know absolutely has to start with honesty and uh,
1: fearlessness really i mean it's like yeah. the honesty thing is also the same as fear fearlessness isn't it courage like you- you you have to, you 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 know it's. I mean, I always reduce these beautiful things we're talking about to the most base level. But like, you know, when you're hammered, and you got to throw up, throw up, have the gut, <laughs> go in the bathroom, <laughs> and throw up because you don't want it. It's scary. vomiting is terrifying. You can't breathe. No, you lose control. Yeah. in your nose, and and th- this is sort of the, in 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 so many different lineages, Dharma paths, or whatever you want to call it, you run into this, which is like, hey, you've got to like face it. You've got to, you've got to like you, you you just stop running away for a second. Like you're gonna have to throw up. Like if you do throw up, you're gonna feel much better. In this case, the throwing up is like for me, you know, when I get am getting hit with unexpected bursts of anxiety or anger or resentment or bitterness or any of this stuff. You know, my, I have so many methods of, avoiding that.
2: Yeah. Well, and very it's a long line on that one.
1: Well, you know, the, and in, in the one thing that we have, the near enemy in the West is we have this wonderful, very useful language of psychotherapy. So one great way to deal with the, it's like, you have to throw up and instead of throwing up, you go, well, it appears that the seven uh, margaritas I had <laughs> yeah. with cocaine uh, don't seem to be mixing very well with the in and out burger. And yeah, I can feel some bile down there, <laughs> and I'm starting to it, yep, and I'm pushing it down, but it this, this you know what I mean? No, you throw up, you can't and you can't analyze your. Throw up! Don't make a, a, a an Excel spreadsheet about the varying degrees of nausea you're experiencing. This is one of the things people do. It, so instead of just but conf- being in it fully, because and again, th- to me, that being in it fully is impossible. It's really, really hard to do if you haven't at least caught some glimpse or some method or some practice that gives you a little space around it too. Mm. Because how can't like if you're you have to like be able to witness it and 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 that witnessing if it's coming from this fundamental goodness is compassion. It's not like, oh, you disgusting alcoholic drug addict, look at you. What, what are you 49? You're gonna go vomit like you're in a a fraternity. What's <laughs> wrong with you? It's more of like, hey, it's okay. Just throw up. You do know what I'm saying? You yeah. need you can't just be fully in the authenticity. You're not, if all you are is your suffering and all you are is your hangups, that's not authentic. That's just half the picture.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a great, great point, actually. And everybody in my mind has had enough of, not, that's not the right word, has had a verifiable Uh, experience beyond mind, beyond rationality. It could happen when you were really young. You know, we talk about it in the book, both of our experiences that way. Or it can happen when you're in middle age. The point is, once it happens, it initiates a trust to carry on, to look at not just, as you just said, the first, you know, the 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 first two noble truths, suffering. How do I get out? But to look and see the potential that we all have, and I think that's one of the most um, key points in this book, the movie of me to the movie of we, is the potential that we have. I mean, I like how we create, not create, how we reflect our own caricatures of ourselves in yeah. this book as honestly as we possibly could to encourage other people to be as honest as they can with themselves. But at the same time, every one of us has had it. It could have been through a piece of music. It could be through a, a, a psychedelic. It could be through a teacher. It could be through a book. There's so many different ways that it, that ineffable experience presents itself and gives us, gives us the, the, um, the gas Inside ourselves to to have the intent. Wow, it's possible. It's something I can be happy. It doesn't
1: all have. Or yeah, it it doesn't have to just be like this. And you know Ragu, exactly the uh I, I one thing I I think that happens to people is that generally like the reason you could say with confidence you've experienced this is is because like as as a as a kid, even if you come from some tumultuous hellscape
2: which most of us have that. on one it level or another
1: you still didn't you hadn't cemented yourself into like a, an identity you hadn't really crystallized yourself into some like knitted together patchwork mm. series of like armor plates that you thought made sense when you were mm. six or whatever nine and and, and so what it's so funny what the mind does is so. Anytime I started when I was you know as I as I meditate, anytime I started catching like meditation or practice related glimpses of it, the first thing my mind would say is like, "Oh, this is so- like summer camp. Oh, this is like Christmas. Why do I feel like it's Christmas? Because you when you're having it as a kid, you're you're tying it into that moment, whatever's around you, the house." circumstance, the phenomena. Yeah. And so it's it's chained to this superstition that if you get your phenomena arranged, then you will have that experience. If I mm. get on testosterone, human growth hormone, start jogging again, fix my marriage, whatever the fuck, have this much money in the bank account, start giving to the Love Server member Foundation more <laughs> regularly, start <laughs> brushing my teeth more, combing my hair more, go to the fucking barber more. I need to go to the dentist. Then I will feel that feeling again, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? because because you don't know when you're a kid, when you're having that feeling, you're experiencing yourself, your true self, what everyone is. You think it's because you're at your grandmother's house or you're in the forest or you are playing in a swimming pool. You don't understand that, like, you've just gotten so in the flow of things that you've stopped connecting to the identity at all. You're feeling pure freedom. Everyone thinks this is youth. That's what youthfulness is, you know. And it's sad when people are botoxing and trying to do age rejuvenation. And like, if I just fix this old fucked up body,
2: yeah, right.
1: Feel that again? It's you know, you know what I mean. But we, these teachings are all about. No, you don't have to do anything. In fact, you don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to fix the people around you. You don't have to like get the Christmas tree just right or whatever it is. Because we're talking about the. This is your. This is your as a human, your inheritance. This is your trust fund. This is in the bank for you, right there, anytime you want it, because it's you.
2: you I love get that out of trust there. fund. Yeah, I mean, it's all about trust. Trust, which leads to f- faith, courage, all of these incredible uh, propensities that that really make the difference. In our lives, yeah. so that we we aren't able to even contemplate, wow, we can be happy. let me say we, one last thing on on something though that I think
1: is getting left out based on what you're saying,
2: yeah, the
1: reason that I like what we did, and that i'm I feel lucky you have done it is because people get to catch a glimpse into what a spiritual community means, like what mm. what and, and I know you hate the term teacher and all that, but 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 everyone is a. I don't know. I don't. Some famous person said, "Don't die a student, die a teacher." And you have been steeped in this, whether you like it or not, for so long. And like so, for me to like have you as one of my guides, maybe I'll accept that instead of teacher, friend, spiritual friend, whatever. What happens is this dialogue springs up which to me is a perennial dialogue. It's the transmission of the Dharma and it doesn't look like in the movies and it doesn't look like fancy or you. you there's no halos. You know, there's no like, there's no temple doors opening and incense burners. And it's just like this conversation, this ongoing conversation that we had before we started recording it for the book and that we're having right now. And that will have for the rest of our lives. And I feel like we captured that. And that excites mm, yeah. me. Yeah. And that's the authentic. That's the other thing I love about the community that we're in, is it's it's so authentic. It's not the, the thing itself isn't, I don't want to say it's not special. It's so special, but it's not, what's the term that always gets thrown on Super normal. Mm. It's super normal. Super. Yeah. Yeah, super normal. It's not supernatural. It's the most normal thing. It's all, and it's gritty and it doesn't make sense sometimes. And it's, but w- something within this dialogue, something within it, of, like, you see something in there, which I think is, you see in all conversations between people who are seeking, which we both are, but people who are maybe a little further along the path. And, saying okay well what about this what about that and this Mm -hmm. person says that have you checked out that or this you know i like that i think that's what's very special about this this book is is that you're capturing a a a time-honored time-worn tradition thank god it's will keep going on and on and on and on for as long as there's people who are sick of being a shoe on a monopoly
2: board yeah. And maybe it can can get this overall wonderful deep esoteric name. No bullshit. We yeah. we aim to or no bullshit inside ourselves. And that's what you and I have, you know, have had for many 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 years. Great yeah. conversations, not just about the movie of me to the movie of we, but about our Day to day, what is happening? What yeah. can we share? And yeah. and that sharing with with people in in uh, within this book, within the community, is a beautiful thing. It really, yeah,
1: is. yeah. It's- I feel so lucky to to we. I, it's so smart of you to do it. It's your idea. So smart of you. And I just think it's that that to me is really thrilling to know that like a little glimpse of a process that we've. God knows how long we've been having this conversation, Argue. Yeah. God knows exactly how we've been, that. You know, birds squawking at each other, butterflies flying around, seagulls fighting over fish. Who knows how long we've been having this conversation? And maybe sadhus in some romantic, yeah, right, mystical that's, that's, forest burning incense and doing offerings to the gods. I, I, it's just a delight that I get to have it at all. And I'm so happy people like it and are listening yeah. to it, and are enjoying yeah, it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, what did it do? I mean, at one point it, it beat his holiness, the Dalai Lama's book on Buddhism. We, it, you know, we, as we were talking, I was thinking maybe that's why they put it in the Buddhism category because why? like, well, we do reference Buddhism more than anything else in this book Because it's got all of the, you know, it sets the problems out and sets the solutions out in such a precise manner. And it's easy to follow and easy to uh, recognize and chat about, I guess. So, so yeah. Thanks, everybody, too, for, uh, you know, getting the book. And uh, the getting of the book is the participation in what it is that we were trying to bring to the table basically that's what it's about using ourselves and then from there using our own teachers. Yeah. You suggest. I mean there's wonderful stuff here about Karm the law of karma remember Robert Swoboda he's such a great yeah, teacher. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah. So we, we you know I'm I'm happy about that we really presented a potential transformational uh, solution shall we say solution is a bad word but you know what I mean.
1: At least like a a lot of considered a, a really entertaining reading list at the very least lots of yeah. teachers reference lots of because you know all the you'll you you are one of the few people where if you recommend a book i'll, I'll audible it immediately you and nick turn you know because they're always like they blow my mind they're so good mm. and so you know, that's part of it too. You know, it's not just about yapping with your spiritual friends. There's like, it's taking the deep dives into these texts that are out there, modern ancient texts that like are reflections of the same kind of conversation from a long time ago or in different ways, different languages.
2: Yeah. Lastly, I'll just say, I think that what's what we really accomplished was being able to Turn to a perspective, a perspective that is not judgmental on ourselves. It is not judgmental with other people. It's got a free, spacious quality to it. This perspective that appears throughout this book. And again, it's a no bullshit perspective, as much as we can be no bullshit. I mean, because we all still have all of that motivation. I mean, you know, how about that we're promoting the movie of me to the movie of we? We're promoting it The me. (laughs) What are you going to do? We got to laugh at it. That's all. You know,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. I understand the paradox and irony in Mm. that kind of spiritual materialism, but that's the marketplace, man. What are you going to fucking do? Tie it to a a canary? tie Tie them? No. And also, I got three kids. My wife wants to have more.
2: Okay. No, hang on there. Just hang on there. Get over to the hospital as soon as possible and turn that off. Okay. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you. you. Thank you.
1: My kids need organic food. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Uh, Well, This turned out to be a little more of a chat than we thought, but (laughs) I love it because my kids
1: need probiotics. (laughs) Probiotics are cheap.
2: Die, free candy. Oh, god. Look at you. Got you. Got soul. Look where you've come to. I see soul. Look at I've got thrasher. Thrasher. I'm I'm a skateboarder, and you're a soul man. I think it's so cool
1: you started skateboarding again, (laughs)
2: Roger. Won't even say anything about that. Um, Ram Ram, Ram Ram. Thank you so much. I, hope, you, I mean, you know, everybody. This book is about the two of us hanging out in the way that we do. That is so delightful. Oh, yeah. And so f- joyful, and we hope this trans transmits to anybody who's going to get it.
1: Yeah, Hadi Krishna. Thanks, Raghu. Okay. Cool.